For the past decade, our teams have been working incredibly hard to make some big and much needed changes in how we develop leaders while at work. I challenge you to forge your own path in your own leadership evolution. Consider one that makes the lives of people around you and the business better by building more purpose-driven leaders and relationships with your teams. We need to build leaders who truly care about those they see and engage each and every day. We invite you to hear more about our own leadership and cultural journey, and the impactful stories will surely resonate with you and your teams. Welcome back to the Lippert Academy Built to Lead podcast. I'm Edgar Cabello, one of the leadership directors here at Lippert, and glad to be back with you today. This season, we're unpacking this motto that we've adopted as a company. We just call it business as a force for good. We believe lots of good things can happen in the context of business um, when, when you really put in the effort, when you make it a, a priority to take care of your people and run a strong business. We can't take care of folks if we don't have a business that's successful. So it's all of those things. When we say business as a force good, we're talking about what we do externally, also what we do internally. So um, what we're going to talk about, one of the cool stories that has transpired in the last years here at Lippert with a good friend of ours at Plant 45, Jared Havens. Jared's been part of our engineering team for a short time and, and part of our well team for a long time. And so, hey, Jared, welcome to the podcast, man. Good to have you. Hey, Edgar. Good to be here. Yeah. Jared's got a really cool story, and we're going to dive into that here in just a little bit. But Jared, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your people and so on and so forth. Jared Havens. I work for Lippert here at the same plant, 45, for eight years now. I've been with my wife for 13 years, and we have two boys, uh, Brody and Memphis. Brody's 10, and Memphis is six. Yeah. Two two. Crazy little boys, I'm sure, right? Oh yeah, crazy. <laughs> I know we had four, we had four sons, man. We just couldn't figure out how to make a girl, so yeah. I, I feel that pain, brother. Uh, Jared and I got to be friends. I don't know within the last couple of years, we got to talking about some things, and I just really learned some cool things about him and and his story. So, well, we're just going to jump into that. So, Jared, you, you came. You're a California kid, man. Like, I am. You you came from a long ways away, and I, I, I always thought it was a pretty cool story. I don't know so much cool, I guess, but I, I heard a lot of undertones in terms of like coming uh coming to indiana and i i said this to jared just a moment ago before we started recording and that was uh, it it appeared to me that he it wasn't so much that he was coming to indiana as much as he was leaving california so uh, uh you agreed that that was a fair assessment yeah 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 correct. so talk, talk to us a little bit about that man like what what was going on there that made you want to cut bait and head this direction I, uh, my hometown is uh, Watsonville, California. I was born and raised out there. It's a small agriculture town. There's a lot of gang violence and a lot of gangs, and there's not a lot of work, and you kind of just get get stuck there yeah. uh, if you don't leave. There's not very good jobs. Okay. So when I turned 18, uh, my best friend and his family were moving out here, and uh, they asked me if I wanted to go with them. and who I call my stepdad, uh, Anthony, he told me I was a fool if I didn't that. Mm. And, uh, he was absolutely correct. Um, you know, my hometown was always going to be there, but I didn't know what was out there until I left. Right. You know, so yeah. that's what I did. I moved out here when I was 18 and, you know, got jobs through 
temp agencies yeah. and stuff like that, you know, but it, it was all good. You know, I was 18, uh, just get my foot in the door. Yeah. So, yeah. so you, you had somebody that was kind of cheering the possibility of getting away from, from home base, huh? Oh, and, absolutely. And, and moving out. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, agriculture, town, uh, small town, gangs like right. I, I, that something doesn't add up like in the imagery that i have in my head so i don't unpack that a little bit what's going on in watsonville that there's gangs and all this kind of stuff going on it just seemed to be the the thing in watsonville it's been out there for generations um since i since i could remember and yep. stories i hear from my family it's just it's just always been around that i really think that's that's part of yeah. the culture in California, and it's, it's pretty sad. I'm not glorifying any of this, sure. you know, but that that was the reality of the situation. Yeah. By the time I was 18, I've had multiple friends killed in drive-by shootings okay. and stabbings. It's and dangerous. It's dangerous. It is. Yeah. Looking back now, like it was really nothing then, but now being here and, and living the life I do now, very grateful that I had made that change. Yeah. It's just, it was, it was rough, and... I was the minority. I'm half Mexican, uh -huh. but uh, at the same time, I'm like complected. Yeah, so, right. right. Um, there was a lot of uh, racism towards me and stuff okay. like that. But you know, it was just stuff I worked through. Um, yeah. To me, it was normal. Right. It, was, it, it seems like when you're immersed in it, like you, you didn't even realize like how powerful that criminal element is, and and where that could maybe lead you one day. You sometimes you get drawn to it. Right. Okay. Like it's it's part of the culture. Gotcha. There. And. Um, if you don't have good people in your life mm. to point you in the right direction, it's it's real easy to fall fall into that trap. I hear you, man. So somebody pointed you east. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> like best thing for you is to get get up and get out of here, yeah. dude. Right. Yeah. And and don't you appreciate like those voices, man, that have kind of guided you? I thank them every day. Right on, dude. Yep. I love that. So you come out to Indiana, you're leaving Cali saying goodbye to Watsonville and some of the stuff that came with it, starting to get a better vantage point of maybe what you are saying goodbye to, but you're coming into this whole new world. Now you're in the mid Midwest. Yep. What's going through your head when you get out to Indiana? I'm curious. Uh, what's there to do here? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, there was definitely a big culture change moving here to Indiana, but it was, it was for the good. Yeah. So, um, I accepted it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I changed who I was and wanted to do better for me and my and my future family. For sure, man. Because I knew that leaving Watsonville but keeping the Watsonville mentality yeah. what, was not going to work. Right. So it was. I, I had to change who I was and. Yeah. It didn't happen overnight. That's that's yeah. I'm sure it doesn't, man. Transformational stuff always takes a little bit of time. So you're here. You're working some odd jobs. You're just kind of getting your feet wet, becoming a Midwesterner from a West Coaster. Yeah. And and then you show up on the doorstep of Lippert one day. I, I love this part of your story. Tell us a little bit about what happened and how you like almost literally got your foot in the door. Yeah. So I was working at a another company here in Elkhart and um, I just didn't like the way things were going and I just left left that day I felt that was the only way I was gonna get out of that so yeah I came here to plant 45 and I filled out an application and one of the HR directors she was in the room at the time asking people if they knew how to weld and I didn't want to say I could weld in front of everybody so I had to wait for people to leave the room and as the door was <laughs> shutting i holler at her and i'm like hey i know how to weld and so she went and got me a weld test and yeah. i've been here ever since no kidding yeah. and, and you, so and, and you told me a little bit ago like you weren't like 
trained as a welder, you had kind of tooled around with it. Correct. So you'd learned a few things on your own. And so when you raised your hand and waited for the room to clear and said, hey, I can I can weld over here. That was the beginning of it all for that you. That was the beginning of it yeah, all. That's great. Uh, I got put, um, had orientation the next day and, and started welding and uh, just... I I wanted to know everything. Wow. So wow. so anytime they needed help on another line and they needed a volunteer to go over there, I, I would go so I could learn that process. I love that. Just I, I just wanted to be the the best I could be. Yeah. Uh, as corny as it sounds, but no. that that's legit. I wanted to be the best I could be. I wanted to be the best welder in the shop. Like yeah. I I wanted to to own that title, you know, am I the best welder in the shop? No, there's a lot of us here. But, I don't know. I've heard otherwise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't believe everything you hear, Edgar. <laughs> okay. I, I'll take that under advisement, man. But I, I do. I hear so many good things about you. And, you. and and whether you're the best or not, we know that you're a really talented guy. And whatever it was that you, uh, that fire you had to get better and to improve, man, I mean, it's definitely... It's definitely showed. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit in just a moment. So uh, you're you're just getting started here, right? And this is how long ago? About eight years about ago. About eight years ago. Yep. 2013 wow. is when I started. All right, man. So it's been a little while. And, and you've been only here at Plant 45. Is that right? I My home base is Plant 45. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, and that's where we're recording, by the way. Um, you know, we, we've done this in a number of different, like, makeshift studios but what we're trying to take this podcast on site right now to make it a little bit more convenient for our teammates to tell their stories and, and that's why i'm here at 45 talking to to jared today so uh, in those eight years jared you've seen you've seen some changes like what you know in, in your mind go back to 2013 and kind of describe what it was like then and take take me through the progression of change that you've seen in terms of our culture and what people are like and what leadership is like at at Lippert these days versus what it used to be so you want past yeah then future let's, yeah let's go back to 2013 okay. and so 2013 like? when i first started it was like the wild west out there <laughs> and not the nicest people and that's from management all the way down mm -hmm. you know we we didn't get a lot of weekends off we were working long hours and it didn't seem like anybody was trying to solve that okay i really felt that we were looked at as numbers because uh, back then it was a revolving door. Mm -hmm. uh, the people that were here two weeks ago aren't the same two people in that booth today. Yeah, And it was unfortunate because, you know, you want to build relationships with these people and they're gone in two weeks, yeah. you know, and then you got to train someone else. And now we have bad parts and we're reworking and it just, it wasn't the best place to work back yeah. then. Yeah. And, um, so years ago, I know we implemented our core values and, you know, at first everybody was probably just like, oh, they're just words on a wall. Here right. we go again. You know, mm -hmm. it took some time and it took changing personnel and that's from upper management all the way down. But I feel today, like I said, it, it, it wasn't overnight, but today I feel that we are a lot better yeah. than we were eight years ago. It's interesting that you mentioned the core values because that, that seems to be like the, that seems to be the pivot point for our company that when, you know, cause a lot of companies have core values, right? That's, that's pretty normal. I, I know we like to say that it's important to take the core values off the wall, you know, the placard and, and get them in people's heads and hearts. And, and the more that that can become a reality, the more, you're going to see those core values demonstrated. And, and so we, we've done, we, we talk about our core values a lot, our core values and our leader qualities. You know, we got these 10 things that we kind of build our business on. And, and it's, it's not, 
anything that we take really lightly. And so it's interesting that you say that because you saw that there was kind of like a pre-core value and then since then kind of a post-core value the way in terms of the way that the culture has developed. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, right on. I feel we're definitely on the right track. Mm. You know, are we all the way there yet? Oh, no way. No, we're not. <laughs> I but agree. I agree. We are definitely moving in the right direction. Yeah. The leaders we have here now, we'll see them out on the floor welding. Right. You know, we have a no meeting day. Yeah. So we can have those interactions. More engagement, right? More engagement. Yeah. And that's what people want to see. Yeah. You know, I mean, the perception's reality. Yeah. You know, when you see a group leader or a plant manager or even a GM coming down and, and getting in it with yeah. the guys and it, it says a lot. It sure does. It, it says a lot. It's a lot more than you barking orders from your office and it coming down the chain. Yeah. It says a lot about that person. One of the things that we, we try to live by around here is what we call a core to the floor. And that is like your GM and his direct reports are, are engaged on the floor visibility is really important you know and then sometimes you just you get under the hood right yeah. and and you start to let some sparks fly a little bit and and get in there with the teams and do the same work that they're doing for a bit you can't always do that but like it just goes a long way doesn't it it does yeah. it really does yeah i love that so uh, you talking core values and or or leader qualities what what which one of those do you for you has been more meaningful, you know, I'm sure it's probably um, several, but like if you had to pick one that you would say like, yeah, this core value means a lot to me. What, what would you say to that? Uh, honesty. Okay. So yeah. we got one called honesty, integrity, and candor. Yeah. So talk about that for a minute. Well, when someone tells you like, Hey, this is going to happen mm. and, and blah, blah, blah. And you know, this is going to be really good. And then you, you, you pump this person up for that. And then it, then it falls through. Yeah. It's, it really makes a big impact on that person because they they felt that they were lied to. Yeah. It's like making false promises. Mm -hmm. They're say all all this stuff is going to happen and and it's going to be great and we're going to do all this. Right. And a year will go by. And, and then trust gets eroded, doesn't it? Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And if you can't trust your leader then we have a problem already. Right. So yeah. I think I think we do a better job now at at figuring the whole picture out before we start implementing these changes these changes mm. that are supposed to happen yeah and it we actually follow through now yeah that's and, good and and people see that yeah and it's not just like oh we're gonna do this and it happens two years down the road and but it seems like we follow through and management actually follows through now with what they say they're gonna do it's critically important man i i that's, i'm glad you pointed that out this episode of Lippert Built to Lead podcast is brought to you by the Lippert Academy for Leadership, the team committed to enhancing your organization's leadership and cultural goals with strategic leadership development programs, on-site training, executive coaching, speaking engagement, and customized solutions. Find out how to get your organization involved at www.lci1.com backslash academy or send us a message at academy at lci1.com. That's academy at lci1.com. So you've seen a lot of dynamic changes, but you've also experienced some of that change in a very personal way. I, I know some years ago when Memphis was coming into the world, there, there was a really, you guys had a really tough spot as a family. And that was while you were here at Lippert, man. And you and I have talked about this in the past as well, but just share with our listeners, man, what was going on? Like this was a hugely challenging time for you. Correct. So uh, when my youngest son was born, Memphis, he was born with a couple of birth defects, which caused him to get airlifted to Riley's 
and this was the day before Christmas shutdown. Wow. So uh, it should have been, you know, happy new baby boy coming into the world, and it did a complete 180 on us, and now we're headed down to Riley's. Yeah. So, um, of course, I call my leaders. I let them know what's happening, and um, I'm getting ready to take off to Riley's, and I get a call from my leader at the time, and she's like, hey, have you took off yet? And I was like, no. And she's like, I'm going to meet. I'm on my way to your house. So I, I meet her at my house, and she gives me an envelope. And the envelope had over $600 in it that wow. she had collected between the office and the floor in four hours to where they knew I was taken care of in this time of need while I was going up to Riley's to... To the unknown, we had no idea what was going on with Memphis. So, you know, we had to leave Brody at home yeah. for almost three weeks. I mean, he was at his grandma and grandpa's house, so he was fine. But at the same time, it was it was very stressful. Yeah. Very, very stressful, not knowing what was wrong with your son and, right. and are they going to be able to fix him and yeah. all that good stuff. But I'll, I can tell you right now, if it wasn't for the people I worked with at the time, it uh, would have been a lot harder. Yeah. I, I still... To this day, I still get support. Memphis still has 100% is backed by by the people I worked with. So. Yeah, wow. That's a really powerful story, man. You know, and I, I think to, to hear the team rally around, you know, one of its own and what's happening in your world and just like that to raise money because they know you're going to need something as you're getting ready just to go down into this big unknown place. What, what, what did you guys learn about Memphis when you went down to Riley that first day? Well, he had a... A few things wrong with him. Okay. He had a Chiari malformation. He had a heart defect. He had a couple heart defects. Uh, he had some intestinal problems and stuff like that. So I don't want to go too much into sure, detail. That's fine. But he, he ended up having to get 15 surgeries mm. to, to fix all the problems he's had. So yeah, yeah. I know his uh, pulmonary, his pulmonary valve in his heart was too small. The Four main valves on his heart. They were rearranged. Instead of going one, two, three, four, they went four, two, three, one. But he's had echoes. He's been cleared by the cardiologists, wow. the gastrologists. So current state, tell us a little bit about Memphis. Oh, Memphis. <laughs> oh, man. He is he is something else. Yeah. Uh, he's full of energy. He's a normal six-year-old boy. He something, um, He goes to school. He has friends. Wow. You know, he's getting ready to play basketball. He yeah. wants to get into jujitsu. He just discovered WWE. So <laughs> uh, it's like a Royal Rumble every day Look at my house. So bad it is. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he, he's awesome. He's got a, a very, very good big brother. My oldest son, Brody, yeah. has a heart of gold. Yeah. And uh, he's he's a big support too. Yeah. Like Brody is is amazing. I couldn't ask for for better kids. What a powerful story, man! Just that that idea of like the support and like how how things were at the beginning, you know, and and how that could have gone, man. And I'm sure that was put a lot of strain on you guys as a family. But just to hear the the other end of that story in terms of where he's at right now, healthy and after it, what a powerful experience that is to live through to see the healing of your son, right? Yeah, and uh, my wife, you know, she was a uh, primary take caretaker mm. for Memphis and well, I I don't I don't think a trained nurse could have done a better job. Yeah. Truly blessed to have her as as my wife. Yeah. So that's thank fantastic. You. <laughs> yeah, man, right on. Yeah. Thank you. So um so that's really great, you know, and I think it's those moments where you really learn kind of what you're part of and like, wow, 
this team, man, like they really have become like my family. And, and so we've, we've seen some cool things happen with you, Jared, like just here in recent days, you know, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll say this for him because I know he certainly won't, won't say it for himself, but um, the, the idea is he's an excellent welder and like one of the finest around here. I won't go ahead and throw the best or the champ on, I won't put that on you right now, my friend, but like he's, he's gained a reputation, not only as a fantastic welder in terms of his skill, but Jared Havens is just a wonderful young man who really is part of the team. He's a real team player. One of, one of our other core values is team play with trust. We, we really believe in that around here that you have to trust one another and then you get the best performance. And, and we look for that in our leaders and we, we've seen that in Jared predating the time that I've been here, but certainly since I've been around Lippert myself and, and something pretty cool recently happened to you, right? Like when you kind of came uh, not entirely, but kind of came out from under the hood, so to speak, into a new role. Tell me about that. How did that take place? Like you're welding, you're part of the team. I think you may have been in a leadership role, but like what, what happened next? I was a group leader. I was running Quickie, assembly, the warehouse and weld. The opportunity came along to where we needed another weld engineer here at Plant 45 and they asked me if I was interested and uh, that's always been my main goal is to excel in my in my welding career mm -hmm. and so i was very grateful when they offered it to me so of course i said yes yeah. yes when today like, so <laughs> ready to go uh, yeah so um so yeah so i'm no longer in production anymore uh i was promoted to weld engineer uh, here at Plant 45, I've been with the engineering department for just over a year. What a what a team! Yeah, I was thinking, you know, I'm coming up off the floor. Yep. I'm going to be working with engineering. I'm just not that I was going to be treated bad, but I didn't think it was going to go as good as it did. Okay. I was accepted with open arms. Yeah, the leaders just, you know, they give us what we need, not give us what we need to do, but you know, they give us a task. I'm not very micromanaged. Um, I got a pretty good scope of what needs to be done and um, I just do it. Yeah. Along with uh, along with my other engineer coworkers or on the end, my coworkers on the engineering sure. team, you know, since I am the weld engineer and we do a lot of welding here, I'm always working with our other Emmys, people on the floor, yeah. uh, doing PQRs, WPSs. What, what are those? What are oh, PQRs? Uh, yeah, a PQR is a process qualification record. Okay. And a WPS is a work procedure sheet. Okay. So the qualification record is a record of our of our weld settings, uh, like where our Amperage, volt, wire, what technique we used to to get this product to pass okay. testing. Okay. So then that information goes into the WPS, and that's what the welders receive when they receive this product. So they're welding at the right voltage, the right wire speed, and the right amperage with the right technique. Yeah. So this continues to be a good product. It sounds it, complicated, man. It is. Uh, <laughs> I just got about like 11% of what you said, okay? So, um, <laughs> but I love it. I, yeah. I love my new job. There's times uh, I even get emotional thinking about it just because I'm, I'm so grateful for where I'm at just in my life. Yeah. And that I can uh, provide a good life for my family. Yeah, absolutely, uh, man. From what cards, uh, you know, I was dealt in my younger years and all that, you know, we don't. There's really not a lot to get you up out of that, but I'm I'm glad I did and yeah. and Lippert's really e even if I was still on the floor. Yeah. I'm still a better person and and living a better moral life than I than I was even before I came here. Yeah. That's fantastic, man. But the, but the cool thing is that you did due diligence on the floor and somebody recognized it. 
yeah called you up and pulled you up a little bit man and i think that's fantastic yeah i just did the best i could do yeah yeah i um corny as it sounds i i just i try to stick to the core values as yeah. much as possible right. because that can go that that's anywhere in life so so what do you say to somebody like you see new people coming in right you see these young cats that are coming out of school you know or off the you know from another job or something like that and and they're they're kind of see you and they kind of see your let's call it a success story right like you said even if you that would have been true even if you were on the floor but now you've kind of moved into a new role and that's pretty exciting um what do you say to somebody who's looking at you and like man tell me how how you got here what would you say back to them hard work positive attitude yeah good work ethic yeah uh being here every day building those relationships with other departments it seems like sometimes people want to battle each other in, yeah. in different departments but in reality we all we all got the same goal, so so say I, I'm building something for assembly. I don't look at them as assembly. I look at them as my customer. That's your customer. That's I love my that. customer. I love that. Uh, if my customer has something wrong, then then we need to fix it. You know what I mean? And and they need to get the parts they need so they can get that product out the door. Yeah. And that's how I always looked at it. Yeah. What it's frustrating sometimes? Absolutely. You bet. It's it's not peaches and cream every day, <laughs> but that's that those hard things is what you know. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. I love that. I think it's great advice, man. You know, like working hard and, you know, practicing the core values. Right. That team but also, play with trust. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but building those relationships is critically important, man. I, I would say that's like the oil on the machine. You know what I mean? That's what makes it actually doable when you guys are doing it together and, right. and, and those things flow like that. I love that. I mean, to me, when I hear you say that and I hear the excitement and see it, you know, uh, because I can right now, it, it's like it's, it's no wonder to me how you kind of made it and took steps forward and and i'm thinking also as you're talking jared that like it started with a choice and and that choice was like if i stay in watsonville it may not go well for me like because this whole culture is going to eat me up right? right and and it was that choice to leave and to launch out into a better place and and look what was waiting for you yeah my whole future was waiting for me and that's something it's funny you say that about watsonville because i was actually here not working for Lippert, but I was in Indiana for almost two years. And I, I went back to California for 14 months. I thought it was going to be all good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And sure enough, six months later, same things start happening. You yeah. start getting sucked back into that wow. same hole. And, hey, you know, I finally sat down with, with my older cousin and he was like, look, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's like, you, you need to go back to Indiana and and he was right so yeah. i booked a plane that day and no two kids weeks, yeah no for real wow booked a plane that day and i flew i was in indiana in two weeks wow yep that's really powerful man like because and i think i don't know that everybody can really relate to that but i i just appreciate the the wisdom of you as a really young man you know knowing what was you know potentially harmful for him in his life and what was going to stunt your growth and keep you from that future that you really probably saw in your mind's eye even as yeah. a young man right yeah jared I, I so appreciate you and what you mean to lippert and what you mean to the team here at plant 45 and I, I think i could you know easily you know say for the people around this plant for sure and even beyond how much you have meant to this company man and, and just your demonstration of all the things that we champion here to build a better work environment they really become get embodied in the character that you bring so buddy it's been so good talking to you again and thank you for telling your story and opening up you know to some of those sensitive areas and i don't know i guess you know we're about to wrap up here in a second man but like for people that might be listening in you know from maybe outside 
inside the company or even somebody from within that is maybe a little skeptical about like how what this is you know some people i hear people tell me like ah you know is it really real or what what's actually going on over there like what would you say to those people no it's it's real you know, is it going to come easy? You know, nothing good in life comes easy. But as far as the culture change and what we're trying to implement here at Lippert, that's real. Yeah, it, It's not what it was eight years ago at the beginning of my story. Like I said, we're definitely on the right track to make that cultural change. And I brought I brought my own friends in here that, that you know, they're, they've already changed their lives. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's pretty cool, and, man. Um, yeah, if you, you know, you want that culture change and work with good people and yeah. have that trust right yeah definitely i think it says something when you invite your friends in, into the into the same environment right you, you wouldn't be a real friend if it wasn't going to be good for them oh, so, no, absolutely. so I, I appreciate that man jared again thanks so much so uh, listen if there's any way that we can help you take steps forward on your cultural journey feel free to contact us at academy at lci one.com that's lci numeral one.com and uh again we'll be talking more this season as business about business as a force for good with other great guests like jared havens and again jared thank you and uh, thank you for listening in and we'll see you next time thank you Edgar. thank you so much for joining us and know that together we can use the 40 or 50 hours a week we have to influence and impact others and truly make business a force for good in this world if you don't mind, do me a favor and leave your comments for us and share this episode with a few people. The world needs this message. Thanks again for joining us. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the view or mission of Lippert Components Incorporated.